Welcome everyone to the very latest vote from the Blue Podcast. We've got an incredible situation here. We've definitely got Bernard. And we've got Ray, who's like driving in his car at the moment. I've never done a pod like this before. But uh, let's just introduce the boys before we get stuck into this game against Wolves. So, Bernard, how are you doing? I'm great, mate. I'm I'm a bit cold because I've obviously come back from the sunshine and the 30-degree heat. But, uh, yeah, they warmed me up a little bit yesterday, although I was a bit nervy watching that game, to be honest with you, at times. But, uh, yeah, uh, I'm sort of glad to be back. Back in work on Wednesday, so let's have a bit of fun with this uh, before the miserable week starts. <laughs> exactly what it is. Just a bit of a laugh. And for a bit of a laugh, can we possibly get any audio from Ray? Ray, are you okay? I'm enjoying the sunshine as well, but my sunshine is spelt with a Y I'm from Manchester. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm driving because, you know, I was uh, very willing to do a podcast last night. I was willing to do a podcast at 7am this morning. I was not expecting to do it, but now at half past 12 when I'm on my way to a gig. You must understand there's an extreme time difference between the UK and uh, South Korea. Bernard Ederson, Akandi Stones, Diaz, Cancelo, De Bruyne, Rodri, Greenish, Bernardo Silva, Holland and Foden. Um, how many of those did you get? Uh, I got nine. I got nine, right? I was quite happy with that because um, I was glad Grealish was in. Uh, I thought he might take a chance to put Alvarez in. But you know me, I'll, I'll bang the drum for Grealish all day long. And I have been doing since he joined us, uh, unlike some so-called City fans, unfortunately, who don't seem to appreciate uh, just what settling into a pep team requires and I'm glad he played even though I didn't have him in my starting 11 originally but yeah that as I said before the game uh, an 11 there that was certainly good enough to win to win this game and uh, looking at the Wolves lineup um, I seem to remember Ray that you were at one time a champion for a guy called Ait Nuri who played as a, a right back I think for Wolves do you remember him? The thing about him is, I mean, I was interested in him because he looked quite exciting going forward. And you know, we want our fullback to be exciting going forward. But you just don't know what how someone will put into the city and um, whether he, he would have been good enough or whether surrounded by the wonderful talent that we have, that he would have fitted in and been spectacular. So, uh, you know, okay at Wolves now in this second season, I think it is. Now, over to Bernard. Bernard... Uh, let me ask you about a couple of uh, people. Were you um, were you relieved that Adama Traore was not playing in this game? <laughs> Absolutely, mate. Uh, I was I was panicking a little bit with a slowly ball. There's an image of him on social media um, training, and he was all sort of uh, oiled up. You know, he, he looks like a mo- he is a monster. I mean, I, I know they called um, uh, they we call. Erling a monster, don't we? But I think uh, Traore, I, w- I was so chuffed, mate. Yeah, I'd have to, I'd have to agree. I'm, I don't rate him as a player, but he always seems to have great games against us. So, yeah, I was I was more than happy with with, the, with that fact that he wasn't even on the bench. Either. His, his brother was, wasn't he? Or whoever he is, I don't know. Same name is his brother. I don't know if he's a relation or not, but uh, I was I was very grateful. Now, guys, one more thing before we finish up with the lineups: the Wolves signed a player, Bernard that City were linked with all summer long, a player called Mateus. He didn't have the best game against us, I have to say that. But um, were you a little bit surprised that Wolves uh, flashed out the money for him? 
Yeah, I didn't know too much. I'll be honest with you, mate. I didn't know too much about him, but based on on what what we saw, um, yeah, I don't think he's a big miss, is he? Really on the, but I, I did like Wolves yesterday as a team. I thought they played extremely well. We'll get into that, of course, but uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think for me, looking at the names I've wrote down here for for Wolves players that took my eye, is certainly wasn't one of the names I wrote down. It was only one minute, actually fifty five seconds. Tell us what happened. Yeah, well, it was it was it was odd because it, it all came from a, a bit of a mess up on, on. I think Cancelo made a bit of a loose pass on our left hand side, but we managed to get it back. I think the Wolves player himself made a loose pass, and we managed to pick it up. Uh, and it was just fun. It was just played across quickly by Rodri to KDB, wasn't it? Over on the other side, and you just you just knew he was going to get it in the box, and you could see the big you could see Big Island there, and you thought, well, there's only going to be one. One ending to this wasn't there. It was a superb ball uh, onto Foden with that little, uh, little, little flick to KDB. A little back pass, wasn't it? A little back pass from Foden, which was superbly weighted, absolutely brilliant. Super KDB couldn't have asked for anything better, and it was just one of his normal crosses that we used to. But instead of the uh, meat shield getting in there, uh, of course he couldn't quite reach it. He was uh, even with his six foot long legs, he couldn't get to it. But uh, there was. There was the master. There was Mr. Jack Grealish, uh, and I think Bernardo was behind him as well. So even if, if he he failed to get hold of it, I think Bernardo was ready for a sort of tap in as well. But uh, wonderful start, great for Jack Grealish, um, and great for City. I'm glad I, I wanted us to start quickly, and we did. And what a superbly worked goal it was! Do you think that um, Grealish has achieved his redemption? Grealish, um, that that look, I give my overall impression of Grealish. He's playing in a great city side, so. You know, it's like a lot of players, you might think Mateus might not look that good, but he's playing against City. And maybe Mateus in a City side would have looked good. Same for Grealish. Uh, he's not getting the same, less the opportunities and to attack that he had at Villa because at Villa, he was the main man. And when we, and I said this yesterday on my channel, when we see Grealish and Mares playing, uh, when we saw them at their previous clubs, they, they had that freedom. They had that freedom to take risks. At City, you don't get the same freedom. And when we used to see them on highlights, we used to see the good highlights. Whenever you, I mean, let's be honest, who, who out of us would watch a full Leicester game or a full Villa game? You never really <laughs> noticed them. You only saw the best bits. So if, if Grealish, for instance, when he's playing for Villa, if he had eight dribbles and six of them were abysmal failures and two of them were decent, in the highlights, you saw the two decent ones. If he scored a, a great goal, you saw that. At City, the spotlight's on and we see them all the time. So you can see their, more of their failures uh, and they just don't get the same freedom uh, to express themselves as they did in the previous clubs. But look, it's, it's, it was good for Grealish to get that goal. He said so in his post in the post-match press conference. You know, he, he, he gave him confidence and he needed that. He needed a little bit of confidence. We've said second season, he should be better. He has to step up, he has to deliver. He's, he's competing against Foden for that left-handed uh, left berth, really. Um, and he's probably fortunate that Mares hasn't grabbed that right-handed spot. Otherwise, I think really would have been on bench uh, and Foden on the left. But he's got, he had that chance. He scored his goal. He had a couple of good, decent uh, other uh, moments in the game. He's just got to take, you know, uh, remain consistent and, and play at a high level. Otherwise, he'll be back on the bench. Well, before we talk about the next goal, uh, Bernard, could you give us your assessment of Grealish so far? Um, as I said, I think Ray's hit the nail on the head. He's a small fish in a very big pond now, and it does. 
we know it takes at least a season to adapt to how Pep wants to play. I'm just saying overall, yes, contribution-wise, I think Grealish yesterday was given a little bit more leeway by Pep to play a bit more of his natural game that perhaps he played more for Villa, where he was a big fish, obviously, in a bit of small pond. Uh, I think uh, Pep has given that leeway to try and get his confidence back. It certainly seems to work most yesterday. Uh, and as I said, I'll keep, uh, I'll keep sticking by him and uh, he's made a contribution. A goal from Erling Haaland, and this time it wasn't in the six-yard box. Can you talk a little bit about that one? He spanked it, didn't he? The defender was a little obviously concerned. You know, Haaland's got attention. He's a great player. I think the defender was worried. The goalie was worried. Haaland was like, uh, did a you know this uh, step over. It looked like he was going to try and bend it into the far um, far corner. And I think the goalkeeper started moving that way. The defender was a bit twisted. And then Haaland, I think he actually missed it, you know, scuffed his shot a bit and he went for the near post. And that fooled the defender. The goalkeeper was slightly wrong-footed. And, um, you know, on match of the day, they said he should have saved it. Maybe he should have. Um, because, you know, Haaland was that far out. You didn't expect, when you looked at it again, that level of power to have gone in. But it, it, it went in the corner. It was good enough. And 2-0 um, after 16 minutes, you, you pretty much thought that should be game over. Now, I'm just going to go back to uh, Bernard here. Uh, Bernard, give me your assessment about Akanji. In my opinion, he looks pretty comfortable, I would say. He does. He knows. He knows. He likes a shoulder charge as well, doesn't he? I mean, this is the old style. I've not really seen a, a defender playing for Pep in this sort of style uh, recently. Um, he, he likes. I think it, when you talk about that Harlan goal, I think it was about five minutes later when. Uh, coming back, there was a sort of half-hearted appeal for a penalty because the Kanji had sort of, not not the perfect shoulder charge, he'd sort of caught a little bit in the back of the guy in the box, but there's no way it was a penalty, But and he went on to do two or three of those during the game. He's a big lad, he's a big lad. Um, obviously, Pep likes him because he's playing him regular now. Um, people like Aki, if you like, have played uh, good games, but for for some reason, obviously, perhaps it's because he's, uh, he's more he's right-footed than Aki's left-footed. Uh, I think he's Pep's go-to guy at the moment. Obviously, without Laporte around, and it'll be it'll take. Um, we've got five centre halves now playing half decent, so it's going to take going to take something to sort of dislodge this Kanji. It's, it's uh, early days, but he's looking quite impressive. He's looking pretty good, Ray, isn't he? I mean, I, mean, I like the fact that we've got him. We had four centre backs last season, and at times we were down to the bare bones. Uh, but uh, uh, sorry, as Bernard said, we've got five now. And Akanji's playing pretty well. I was a little bit surprised that Aki had been dropped to the bench. Um, I had him in my fantasy team, so, um, but I was a little bit surprised. And, and I look at it, and, and I thought yesterday, you know, Diaz wasn't a blameless yesterday. Those, you know, made, in my opinion, a couple of mistakes in the last couple of games. And it, it'll be an interesting question when Laporte's back, he'd have to be international break. We could have five centre-backs. And it'd be really interesting right now on form. If you had to pick two centre-backs, could you argue against Akin Akanji, which would, uh, you know, you, you feel a bit of a, a surprise to hear yourself say that when we've got Stone and uh, Diaz, who, who look, both of them look quite imperious from most of last season. So it's going to be really interesting. Uh, but I'm, I'm glad we've got the, the, the five best back because we're going to need them. It's, it's a long old season with the World Cup and everything else. We're going to be playing 70 games on players. I just wish that we've got a right back to book the ball which it doesn't have to be sold out there because, you know, that's certainly not his best position. That's my only disappointment with the chance.
hey, you know, I can't do the whatever he costs, you know, 10, 15 million quid. He's a bag. Fantastic. Um, the next thing that I want to talk about is the sending off. <laughs> I don't know about you, but when I, I, I didn't know anything about Nathan Collins. I, I, I know about another Collins, um, but um, this particular guy, uh, I'm not sure that he's been playing for Wolves uh, that long, but it looked like he was trying to score the goal that uh, Haaland scored in the last game, only he did it <laughs> on uh, Jack Grealish. What did you think? Yeah, I mean, I don't think there was any real intent to, to hurt uh, Grealish. I just thought he lacked awareness of what was going on. And it's, it's funny, isn't it? If you, if you look at social media today, opposing fans are showing uh, still photographs, of course, of the Haaland incident recently where he, he got obviously not even a yellow card and comparing it to this. And I said, well, I've simply said on Twitter and places that it's just a matter of biology. I mean, the fact is Haaland... Doesn't, didn't have eyes in the back of his head to see what was going on. And obviously, Mr. Collins obviously had eyes in the back of his head because he couldn't see what was going on in front of him. So it was a matter, you know, to make those comparisons is absolutely ridiculous. It was a definite red card. I don't know what all the other fans are whinging about, uh, Liverpool fans, of course, Wolves fans, etc. Uh, it was just a lack of awareness by Collins of the guy in front of him. And it, it was dangerous. And, and on that score, it was quite right for Anthony Taylor who I thought didn't have such a bad game actually. It was quite for Ant- right right for Anthony Taylor to, to send him off. Although as I said, I don't think I just thought he, he sort of switched off for a minute and he didn't mean to do any particular harm to Jack, but uh, definite sending off. I think it, yeah, he, he was going for the ball, but you know, he caught Grealish in his midriff and um, you know nearly uh, he could have taken off his prime jewel. So it was it was a dangerous it was a dangerous tackle. Bernard, it was 2-0 at half-time, but I don't know if you agree with me, but I still thought that Wolves carried a threat. What did you think? I mean, I'll be absolutely honest with you. That first half, while they had 11 men on the pitch, I thought they were playing very well. Uh, certainly were as good as City. When they went down to 10 men, as, as Ray said, it galvanised them. And we, we finished we finished that half hanging on. It's as though we just take, oh, we're playing against 10 men now. We don't have to work as hard. We sort of sort of down tools a little bit. And it was very, very depressing uh, to see City do that. And then, again, for the first, uh, well, literally till we scored that third goal in the second half, again, Wolves and, and the team, he, he didn't make any changes immediately. He, changed, he might have tweaked the formation a little bit. But they looked more like scoring than we did. They did have a, a good opportunity with Gwedis, whatever it's called, uh, to actually get one back. And all credit to Wolves. Uh, for that first 70 minutes, 69 minutes, until we got that third, I thought they were the better team slightly with 11 men and they were even better with 10 men. And, and that's part and parcel to do with how City reacted. Reacted, I don't think reacted very well to the sending off. It should have been the other way around and it certainly wasn't. Yeah, Ray, that's what a lot of people were saying. They... A lot of people were screaming out on Twitter, who's pl- who's playing with 10 men? Who's playing with 10 men? You would never have guessed which team had the 11 men. And, and actually, I think if Wolves have showed a little bit more ambition, they might have got a goal when they when they had those opportunities. Because one of their problems is they've only scored three goals all season. And that's partly because they had they've got a really good striker up top. And partly because they don't commit enough players forward. When they uh, had their opportunities, sometimes they only had two players up. So the player with the ball had to take the chance himself. So their wide men 
from midfield weren't taking the risk to get into the box or, you know, to make those runs to, to latch onto opportunities. And I just think um, if, you, if you watch some of the highlights of the both opportunities, you'll see very, very few people in the box when uh, they had their chances. So, you know, we were fortunate. Uh, and uh, Bernard said he was uh, bitterly disappointed. You know, it was a it was disappointing from City. You know, you, you look at the end, you look at the result. We won three 0 It looks quite simple and straightforward. But I want to be ruthless. I, I don't want to give teams an opportunity because look what happened the week before against Villa. We were on top, really, against Villa, and we just let them back into the game and let them get that goal, and we ended up with the draw. And I don't want to give teams a chance. That's why I say. Well, let's go over to Bernard for the third goal. Now we saw we've seen two different things from Holland in this game. First of all, we we saw that he can strike from outside the box, and uh, he was pretty uh, skillfully in, involved in this third goal uh, as well. He, he's he's got some game. Yeah, I mean he obviously spent a bit of time on his on his ass as well because he's a I call him a big lummox, but he's a bloody good big lummox. Uh, <laughs> there's no doubt about it, and it. It all we needed that goal, uh, as we spoke about before. We definitely needed that goal. Pep was thinking about making substitutions. I was, I was crying out for about the sixtieth minute to, to make some changes. That's what we were desperate for, and uh, Gundogan started warming up and various things. But Pep just delayed and delayed. I mean, obviously he's done this before. We we know he does this, and he says, "Well, no, I was quite happy leave the eleven players on." But at that stage, you say, "What well, Wolves were looking more likely to score than us." But it was a fantastic goal. I mean, it involved Foden, KDB, then Haaland, as you said, with his little bit of sublime skill, back to KDB. And then just a poacher's goal from Foden as he went across the face of the goal. You know, I thought was, I thought he'd done one of these little back flips originally, but it was just a, a basic uh, side foot uh, past the defender and keeper. And and thank God that, that killed Wolves off because up, up till then it hadn't had looked anything but easy for City. But uh, yeah, that, that was a, a cracking goal. And Mr Haaland was involved in involved nicely with a little bit of nice little play on the edge of the box. Yeah, Ray, a very, very stubborn, difficult team. And uh, who knows what they would have been like if Diego Costa was playing for them. Totally different game, you know. They'd have had a four-foot point, someone to run up our, our, our defence, and someone in the box when they had the opportunity to fall in the box. Um, so, yeah, look, we, you know, we're going to be uh, thankful that, as I said before, you know, on my channel, I'm just initially happy to win the game. Then you look at the performance, you dissect the performance a little bit, like we do today. You can argue we were a little bit fortunate, but hey, you know, we'll take that good fortune and uh, go into the international break, uh, you know, full of good heart. The best uh, summary that I've seen from anyone on Twitter was that someone just said, very satisfying. They were a difficult troublesome, bothersome team. We got a clean sheet and three points, and I think that's basically the way to look at it, is it, isn't it? Yeah, I think we said, I think we mentioned, I certainly mentioned on my thing, I think we mentioned briefly last week in the last bolt from the blue that uh, they're showing 14th in the table before this game, 
Uh, and to be honest with you, they, they, they were better than that. Uh, they are better. They're struggling up front, as Ray's pointed out there, but they've got a couple of injuries, so that, that's the problem. But, you know, with these seven, you know, seven Portuguese started that game for them, three for us, there's a lot of Portuguese flair on that pitch. And you could see you could see the flair, and they've got a lot of flair. I think Wolves in a false position. I mean, they've probably dropped down now, haven't they? They dropped down to 16th. I think they dropped down to 16th now after that defeat yesterday. But I thoroughly expect... Uh, and start marching up that league and cause a lot of teams problems. And thankfully, we got this one out of the way. Do you reckon Diego Costa's got anything left in the tank? Well, I hope not, mate. I'm not a big fan of Diego Costa. Uh, to be honest with you, I think he's a uh, a bit of a bully and a uh, you know. But uh, I've certainly not seen him play since he left uh, the English Premier League. That's for sure. But. Uh, you never know. You never know. He's probably he's probably the new player bounce, won't he? Once he gets fit, he'll probably put it around a bit. Perhaps he's grown up and matured a little bit, but I doubt it very much. He's 33 now, isn't he? But, uh, yeah, um, I can see why Wolves have done it. It's probably a little bit desperation, but as I said, if they get a couple of the other guys back that they're missing as well, um, it'll be a, it's an interesting addition to the squad anyway, just from that sort of big bully point of view. Ray, um, at, this, at the time that we're speaking, Arsenal are 2-0 up half-time against Brentford. Are they beginning to cause you some concern? Oh, do you want me to say any more than that? Not, <laughs> not at all. Not at all. A, a lot of City fans are... There's a slight concern about Arsenal. Hi, you look at who they played, okay? They haven't played... They've played one team of dubious note, and that's Man United. And Man United beat them. So... They've had a, uh, a pretty generous start to the season where they've not had to play anybody half season. Um, um, and, and Brentford, even though Brentford has got a lot of goals, they're playing a few goals as well. Admit, you know, and I'm yet to be convinced about Arsenal. I don't see Arsenal as the challenger. They have to sustain it, which I don't think they can sustain it. They can, you know, the clubs that can sustain a good winning run where I think to win this league, you're going to be having to put in six, seven, eight wins on the bounce. You're going to have to go 10 or 12 games without defeat. That's even stand a chance. I think there's only two teams in this league that can do that. And that's Manchester City and uh, Manchester City Reserves. No, sorry, Liverpool. Uh, they're the only two teams that can do that. I don't think Arsenal can. Five wins on the bounce, it was, it was good, but it's not going to be enough. You know, even with, you look at it, they had five wins on the bounce. And they're only just off the table, so it's going to be tough to uh, keep going when they, you know, when they're going to have to play better teams. When they're going to play Liverpool, Spurs. Uh, uh, I think Spurs are more of a threat than, than Arsenal. Um, and when they, you know, so when Arsenal have to play some better teams, I think we'll see what they're made of. But give them credit; they put in, uh, you know, the teams that they have to be to beat in them, uh, which is why they're top of the table and probably will.
Bernard, um, at this particular point of the season, I know it's very, very early. It's a stupid question, really, but I am known for my stupid questions. Um, <laughs> uh, Bernard, um, how do you assess our title rivals at this point, and uh, when do you think that we're going to be able to shake them off? Well, I think what Ray said about not playing a big big team yet with Arsenal, I think you probably could say the same for us, couldn't you? Uh, have we played anyone really big yet? Uh, probably United, uh, Arsenal fell flat at United. We've got them our next game, of course. Uh, yeah, so you could say the same. But, you know, City are more capable. We've we proved it year in, year out. Arsenal still haven't proved it. So, yeah, I totally agree with what Ray's saying there. And I think Tottenham are a big threat. I think, but I think I don't think City have clicked yet. You know, we've drawn two away games that perhaps we should have at least won one of those, if not both. Uh, so you know, in theory, we we should be played seven one seven, but we're only played seven one five drawn two. So yeah, we've got to kick off yet. We've got to kick in, and it's looking good with people like Kanji coming in. Squad wise, we look as though. You know, keep Haaland fit. Uh, everything will be fine. So I'm not too worried at this point in time. We know Liverpool will come back into it. Um, of course, United are bragging now that they, they're our biggest challengers, but that's normal for United fans to come out with that garbage uh, this early. But we'll see, won't we, in a couple of weeks on that one. But yeah, I, I agree with Ray. I mean, at the moment, uh, I'm not particularly worried if this is game 27 and Arsenal are up there and they've been proving it, fair enough. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm quite happy with how things are. I still, I still think City should go for three on the three on the bounce uh, at this point in time. Yeah, I'm just going to go over to Ray and, and ask Ray about Tottenham. Now, there's a reason I'm doing that, Ray, because like over here in South Korea, any time Son Heung-min scores, any time he does something, even you know basically correct they go absolutely mental now he's got a lot of flack um for some reason in the last uh, uh three or four games and um he came good and uh, tottenham won 6-2 i i was wondering ray were you were you impressed by tottenham and, and conte Right up there again. So um, 
can't discount anybody. You can't just say, well, you've had a, you know, you've had a good run uh, um, and you're going to be challenging. You know, come, come back in five games time, if United have won four of them, they'll be right up there. You know, if, if Spurs have lost two and drawn two, they'll be dropping down and, you know, people change their minds quite quickly. But right now, I, I still, still, I'm not, I'm not going to uh, back against Liverpool being up there. Uh, and I think Spurs and Arsenal, uh, simply because they've got the points in the bag already, will stay up in the top four uh, for probably most of the season, if not all of the season. Well, a couple of listener questions for Bernard. I'll start off with the first one. Same one for you, Bernard. How impressed are you with Tottenham and uh, and Antonio Conte? Yeah, as, as Ray said, Conte's a competent, good manager. Nothing wrong with Conte. Uh, they spent, you know, for once, Mr. Levy's opened the purse strings a little bit and, you know, not brought in fantastic names. Obviously, Richarlison, again, not, not another another player that's a, a nuisance, but not one I top would think could uh, would, would add to City squad, for instance, that's for sure. But no, he's, he's, I think he's gone a little bit for it. He's gone a bit, a little bit crazy. I think Tottenham are doing very, very well. And like Ray, I do think Tottenham are more a threat than Arsenal. Um, and at this point in time, they're doing, they're doing the biz. They're doing what they have to do. Obviously, they've drawn a couple of games like us, so they're identical stats apart from the goals. So yeah, I would say with Son in the team, uh, a bit wound up. It's a good job they played. Um, they played Leicester, wasn't it? I mean, obviously his next game where he would have been on the bench, coming off the bench, was probably us. So it's a, it was a good job uh, we missed out on that one. I think we, we missed a but we dodged a bullet with that one. But uh, yeah, I, I'd agree. I won't. I won't say anything much different to what Ray's saying. But Tottenham, like Arsenal, like all these teams, have got to prove consistency, and it's uh, it's early days. Hey, Ray, my my dad is a big fan of Brendan Rodgers. I don't know why he is. I think it must be Northern Irish sentimentality. But Ray, do you reckon he's going to get sacked quite soon? I hope not. You know, they've got some issues. They've got issues defensively. Uh, they've got issues at corners, and I think they've been unlucky. They've lost players. They've, you know, in the recent past, they lost the fire, they lost the father. Um, these things do make a difference. Just as coming back from injury, uh, they're not the same strength defensively as they used to be. Still got some really good players, and the manager doesn't become, you know, Rogers doesn't become a poor manager overnight. So, but for me, I think what you want to give him is until the World Cup, uh, until you know players go away for the World Cup. After that, you know, at that point, if yeah, if, if they're still struggling, they're still bottom of the table, then maybe you know that's when you do a make a change. But I think you know, with two fifth-place finishers or falling away a bit last season. I think he deserves uh, a little bit more. Bernard, um, how do you assess Manchester United and Liverpool at this point of the season? A lot of people are thinking that Liverpool are going to come back with uh, an enormous rush. And a lot of people are thinking that um, since United signed Anthony and obviously that uh, that diminutive um, centre-back that seems to be doing very well for them, that they are a different proposition. What what would your analysis be, uh, Bernard? Well, the, the thing is with Man United and Liverpool, and it happens every season. They, they, a lot of teams, you know, when when United was struggling those first two games, everyone was saying, "Oh, when do we play United? We want, you know, we want to play United." But the fact is, over the seasons, Liverpool and United win games by the sheer presence of who they are, and that's all. They're not that particularly fantastic sometimes. It just gets teams pay them too much respect. So what you want to do is teams like Liverpool, who struggle a little bit at the moment, 
uh, is they don't they're not getting that respect because obviously teams can see the struggling, so teams are perhaps playing a little bit better against them. It's the same with United, but now United have got this four game uh, run and they beat Arsenal, the league leaders, last time out. Uh, you'll you'll start, probably start seeing teams showing them too much respect again. Obviously, we hopefully will give them a panning when we play them. But Liverpool the same. While things while they're struggling, hopefully teams will put it in. But United and Liverpool have rep, reputations speak a lot for those two teams. I think I know it's psychological rather than what's on the pitch. But uh, yeah, Liverpool Liverpool get three or four wins under the belts, and, and you'll see them climbing the league again up into the top. You know to challenge us and and United. Let's let's knock them down again because at the moment they're they're on a roll. It's all to do with uh, this getting on this roll, isn't it? That teams do and United are on one so let's hope we can knock them out of the stride in a, in 12 13 days time that sounds pretty reasonable what do you think uh, ray how would you assess those two at this point well, the season has been intense united have four games on the bank you know they've look, you laugh at them as much as you want they've beaten liverpool getting out of liverpool and they've beaten arsenal you know haven't really beaten anybody uh against anybody decent i think we're going to find out a lot about United when we play them. If United get bragging and tickets, they get a draw against us. Well, you know, and they win their game in hand. They'll be two points behind us after eight games. So they're still up there. If they beat us, then you that's a totally different set of You will have to take them a little bit more seriously. But if we beat them, then they drop down and, you know, we start pulling away. And it's the same with Liverpool, who we play, I think, three games later. So uh, we're going to find that out good for these things are within the next uh, month or so. October is an extremely important month. We're going to find out about how good the competition is. We'll find out how good the competition is in the next few weeks. Yeah, over to Bernard again. Uh, Bernard, we're, ne- we're nearly finished now, but could you give me your uh, analysis about Chelsea R at this point? Because they've uh, had a lot of turmoil, a amount of spending that didn't make a lot of sense to me. But I know that you've probably got some thoughts about it, Bernard. What do you reckon? Yeah, again, Chelsea, give Potter, Potter, we know Potter's, we, we like Potter, don't we? I like Potter anyway, I'm not so much where I like him too much now he's gone to Chelsea, but you can't take away the fact that he's a good manager. I mean, the problem there is is probably egos, it's uh, a lot of players on the books that he's got to juggle about, um, and it'll be interesting to see, again, it's far too early to tell just how he is going to cope, uh, early doors, it looks uh, positive for them, but... Again, they're not played this weekend, have they? I don't think. I don't think they're playing any of this weekend. So he's not had a chance to get, you know. So he's got a couple of weeks, but obviously they're all on international break. So he's not going to be able to settle down with the players that much. So I think if he can get through uh, the first, you know, when we come back from the international break, um, if he can get through without too much, uh, too, without too many problems, he'll be all right. But he's got a lot of work to do. And Chelsea looked a bit disjointed all over the place, obviously, you know, five, six games in. So. He will have to work hard. He'll have to prove what I think. I think he is a good manager. He'll have to prove how good he is. And as I said, hopefully he can manage some of the small egos that are at Chelsea at the moment and get the best out of players like Sterling and getting him scoring again and stuff like this. You know, and we, we laugh, don't we? we? We do enjoy it that he's not uh, hit the ground totally running. He's done all right. He's done okay. He's just he's just Sterling, isn't he? But yeah, I think I think Potter Potter will be all right with Chelsea, but he will need time. Ray, what do you what do you reckon? Give me your assessment of Chelsea. You know, it's going to take him a little bit of time to sort out the team and formation and everything else. And we saw the game in the Champions League. So they were brilliant against a team that 
really think they should be beaten. So, so he's got pressure on him because to get through the Champions League, they're going to have to win probably three games, I think, out of four to get through. So it, 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 there's a bit of pressure and obviously pressure in the league to, to get back into it. So it's not easy, but he needs, he needs time. And time is not a commodity that a lot of uh, chairmen give their managers, but I think if you, give, if you sit with him, it'll be all right. But I don't think they're going to threaten uh, for the league title this season. Okay, final question now, uh, Bernard. As uh, the league begins to shape up, is there a, sorry, I beg your pardon, is there a dark horse in there? Well, well, Brighton are still up there, aren't they, mate, in fourth spot? But I can't, I can't see that lasting too long. Fulham are doing very well. Mitrovic, uh, second highest scorer so far. He's, he's hit the ground running, which he didn't do last time he was in the Premier League. But uh, no, in a short, short answer to your question, uh, no, there's no real dark horse. Newcastle are sort of plodding along, aren't they? They drew 1-1 at home to Bournemouth yesterday. So they're plodding along. Uh, Villa got their first win, was it, against, or one, a rare win against Southampton. Um, Forrest got beat by Fulham. So, yeah, I mean, the bottom of the league, Leicester's a bit of a shock, but I don't think that'll last. But, yeah, there's, there's no dark horse for the title, I don't think. Um, it'll pretty much, by game 10, 11, 12, it'll, it'll be the usual suspects at the top of the league, hopefully with, with us sat there before the World Cup kicks in. Double question for Ray. Ray, do you think that there's a dark horse? And also, the next part of the question is, who is the first manager for the sack? Um, no dark horse. However many years you want to look at it, the other thing that being a successful dark horse were, were, were Leicester in 2016. No one else is uh, even come close. So, um, no dark horse. First manager for the boot. Now, obviously, there's a lot of pressure from Rogers right now. David Boyce, there you go. Uh, Bernard, I'm just going to finish off by asking you that uh, question. We don't like to talk about it, but it is something for speculation. Who would you think would be uh, the first candidate for the the boot? Because it does tend to happen uh, pretty much around this time. Yeah, I mean, obviously West Ham are still struggling, aren't they? As he said, uh, Ray just mentioned David Moyes there, but obviously you've got Everton without a win yet to the name. Uh, so obviously he's he's on he's on sort of uh, shaky ground. Of course, Brendan Rodgers, we've talked about him. He's definitely and even Forrest, you know. I mean, I know Forrest second from bottom now. Have uh, played seven, just four points. I mean, I don't know how reactionary they are there. It'd be a bit of a shock if old uh, Cooper does <laughs> does get the kick. You remember in the days of old when teams were struggling and they would import an old school manager back to save the <laughs> relegation? I mean, obviously, there's not that many. You know, you think of Europe, etc. There's probably a few knocking about, but I don't. I think I don't think there's many likely candidates uh, knocking around now that perhaps there used to be in the older days. I don't think there's many fall into that category that could come in and rescue teams, perhaps who. Uh, so when these before these teams sacked the Brendan Rodgers of this world and the Gerrards and the Coopers, etc. Uh, you got to be thinking that the line is someone up, and I, I just I don't envisage I don't particularly envisage anyone or can think of anyone outstanding. I say there's a couple of European guys, and Pochettino obviously always always on everybody's lips, isn't he? When anyone goes, and perhaps he's he's the main guy who could come in, but he's not old school. He's he's still a for me. He's still a young man. I'm old, so they probably are all young to me anyway. But uh, yeah, it is harder, as you said there, uh, Mike. It is harder the, in this day and age to, to to have these guys that can come back and the Ancelotti's, if you like, who can come back and and do a job job for a team now. They're just, just not knocking around at the moment. 
You're on way back for Neil Warnock then? <laughs> no. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much, guys. I think we're going to uh, stop it about this point. Now, guys, um, I've obviously got an editing job to do because this was an incredible experience for me and Bernard. We'd never actually done a pod with someone driving along in their car at the time. I'm, I'm, thank, I'm thankfully driving along and looks looks uh, looks safe. He's not not causing himself any danger. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. But we were grateful to have his input, guys, and that's my fault because obviously there's a big time difference here between South Korea and the UK. But we got can it you, done. Can, can you see the picture of Can you see the picture of Ray there, Mike? Can you see the picture of him? Well, what's he got in his pocket? Is that a stethoscope? Is that a, is he a doctor? Has he got a, one of those stethoscopes in his top pocket? Ray, if you can hear us, what have you got in your top pocket, mate? But that's very, he's, very suspicious. I don't think he can hear us, but I don't, it's very, I'd love to know what it is he's got in his top pocket. You know, I would not like to, I would not like to have the answer to that question, Bernard. With <laughs> <laughs> his lovely pink jacket on. I love his pink jacket. Sorry, guys, I'm just having like a, Mental nightmares just. <laughs> yeah, I think that's bubble pack in his pocket. His spunk bubble pack he keeps close to his heart. All right, guys, well, that, that'll do us. I'll clean this up, up as much as I can. I'll put a disclaimer about the audio, but um, that was very, very enjoyable. So let's just, um, I think Ray is off with the, with the clouds, but we still have Bernard. I'm just going to say uh, farewell to Bernard. Bernard, thank you very much for coming on. Yeah, no problem, mate. As, as I say, you've cheered, cheered me up with a couple of days when I have to get up at sort of uh, adequate, adequate city win, I would say. Not a spectacular one by any means, but uh, it's great to be on and uh, I'll speak to you soon. But uh, just one more thing, uh, Bernard, because we always do this. What's up for City next? Oh, well, it's only a little matter of uh, a Manchester derby, isn't it? Um, let's hope we can do what we did last season and uh, totally dominate it. As I say, we hadn't done so well up to last year, have we? But... Uh, Let's hope it's more of the same and we can put those pretenders back where they belong. <laughs> OK, well, I'll do one half and uh, Bernard will do the other. We'll finish off in the uh, in the normal way by saying, have one of us and Bernard. Up the blues. <laughs>